This past March, our school had the privilege of welcoming Mr. Bobby Petroselli. Bobby's presentation to the entire student body was like very few others. His words were both transformative and inspiring. After his talk, Father Dave and I sat down with him for over an hour, talking about topics ranging from the preciousness of life to pizza toppings. So please enjoy part two of our conversation, again with a very special hot take from some of our students. And now we want to welcome two of our, our sophomores, uh, Michaela LaRochester and William Lazetta, who came up to talk a little bit about uh, Bobby yesterday. So yeah. what, did, what did you guys see? What did you hear? What did you notice? Um, he was really inspirational, honestly, especially with like messages like um, when he talked about how you're not really defined by the events that have happened past in your life. Mm-hmm. I think it's really like inspirational for kids who like had a harder upbringing mm-hmm. or like went through like traumatic things in life and it's like important to understand like those don't define you like you're not based on what happened to you those were just the things that happened and how we respond to it yeah yeah Yeah, he he made that uh so well and he did a great job of finding a way to incorporate that we all matter Mm -hmm. like no matter what the situation was that was happening or a situation that you're currently going through um he made it very important that we all matter because i feel now especially a lot of teenagers get stuck in events that have happened to them in the past or things that have happened in the past. And then it becomes hard for us to move past it. So, and like when we do try to move past it, we forget that we matter at more than the situation does. And I think that's very well said because even forgetting about traumatic events that has, that may have happened to us individually, we all suffered the same traumatic event that's kind of ending now. Uh, you know, with, with COVID and, um, it's, it's just reassuring to just constantly hear, hear that message, you know? Um, is there any one thing he said that you'll remember more than anything? Um, I feel like it wasn't so much what he said outside of his message that was like, you matter, it doesn't. But the example that he used of the cell phone in the bag and how the cell phone. Why, why, do, you, why do you tell that? Do you, oh. if, you, if you can, and sure. uh, William, feel, feel free to jump in on that too. Okay. But that, that, that actually was, uh, that visual was very good. So why don't you explain yeah. what he was saying there? So he took his cell phone and he put it into a bag and he closed the bag. And he was basically explaining how we weren't being used like for our purpose when we were in our bag and upset because the bag is like like sad thoughts and like yeah and the bag is all the negative things and when the cell phone was in the bag it wasn't being used for what is Mm -hmm. created for and he used it to explain that god all created us for a purpose and when we get stuck in the negative and in like sadness or depression we're not being used for our purpose and and but we're still in that bag and we're still right. us yeah. but but like you correctly said we're not yeah. yeah um i thought that was a very good visual yeah. yeah but that message to me was just incredible because like in your bag is a term that a lot of teenagers use and i don't think a lot of people really understand what it means to feel like that and seeing it demonstrated and seeing how we can bring ourselves out of that quote unquote bag it was it was a really interesting visual yeah yeah um anything you want to finish with honestly the um message that really stuck out to me is like no one is more important than anyone else we're all equal and like i think that is very important for teenagers here with like the soul like the culture around like online and just in schools in general 
I, I think that's so true. And if you think about any school, there's there's a, a competition. You guys will feel it more when you get to be seniors because I've seen so many all my years here define themselves by the colleges they get in. And I understand that. You know, um, I'm not criticizing them for that. But in a sense, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. yeah. Like I feel like as like teenagers, like we rank ourselves along with each other Absolutely. on accomplishments and like what you do, what you like anything you do in your life but really like no one's better than anyone else like you're all just people you're all created by god like you all experience life as it is yeah and you know my friend it's not just teenagers we all do it people Mm -hmm. my age too yeah Mm -hmm. so as i i think i think we we all heard it in uh in the same way and knowing Mm -hmm. how it could apply to us so and a lot of people I notice it in high school, obviously, because we're high schoolers, but a lot of people try to change themselves to fit in with other people. And at the end of the day, like we are who we are, like Mm -hmm. we were made to be who we are. And he said, I don't know if it was word for word, but he said, can you please be yourself? Cause someone else is already taken. Yes. And it made everyone laugh, but I was thinking about it and that's something that a lot of people need to remember because especially with social media coach culture, people try to change themselves to make themselves what they think others want them to be mm-hmm. when in actuality, it's just what you want to be because it's you. Yeah. Speaking of like making people laugh, I loved like his use of like comedy as a way to like really get to the students and mm-hmm. like really make us like pay attention and understand what he was trying to say and interject it at the right time. Yeah. You know, to kind of to bring everybody back. Especially like it's when like he was talking about like darker top topics, like his wife dying and like all that happening. Like he still used comedy in a at a very appropriate time mm-hmm. to like kind of make light of it, but not in like a negative way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think there's a, a good speaker has is able to read the room and, and know when he has to bring everybody back. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think I, I think some of the things that were happening too, at least with me, is he would say something and I would start to get lost in my own thoughts. Yeah. And exactly. um and then he kind of bring it back into back into the talk. Yeah. yeah. And he did a great job of like capturing all of the students. Like he would mm-hmm. walk around and he would like focus on one specific I noticed area. that. And it was like, it felt personal because it was like he was having a conversation with I you felt specifically. That. Yeah. With you specifically or, and, but really he was talking to everyone, but it felt so personal because his message is something that everyone needs to hear. Right. No matter what they're going through, it's something very important that every person needs to hear. And he did a great job of just talking to us, really. Yeah. He really did. Did you get a chance to talk to him in the, for, during the lunch periods or? Yeah. I didn't get a chance to, but I yeah. really do wish I did. I he, ended up getting a bracelet though, so that's cool. Yeah. And he was really—that's where he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted to be there talking to you guys. And and I I think it, a lot of it goes back to the story he told about when his wife died and the people that were there for him. And I, I think he sees that as his his mission and um, his his ability to um, just to connect. Yeah. Yeah, like but, when he like when he told the story about like how he adopted, yeah, um, his son's friend. Mm-hmm. Like that was insane. Like yes. how he feels so like connected to everyone, how he just wants nothing but to make everyone's lives around him better. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to do that. Cause that's not a small thing yep. to adopt someone like that was insane. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I did, I did get a chance to speak with him um, before the mass started, like the prayer service and after and in my lunch period. And it was just so interesting to see how passionate he really is about oh, what yeah. he's doing. And it wasn't like he was just like, 
some speaker and he's like, Oh, you matter. He was really yeah. passionate. Yeah. And he was Cause you guys know when people mail stuff in oh, yeah. and yeah. go through the motions. Like you can tell, yeah. but like he was very, but he was very passionate yeah. and he was so moved emotionally by all the different students just initially coming up to him. Um, and even he was like, even if you don't have a donation, it's okay. He still wanted to talk with you. Yep. And he, it, like it was, it felt so personal to yeah. every student. Um, whether they want to, like admit it to themselves. Everyone needed to hear that. Of course. Say. And it, it was just so influential. And I think because of his emotion, like I know students, like people next to me, people around me, like crying, like really? I was tearing yeah. up. Like yeah. I didn't know people that. People felt very emotional by what he was saying. Okay. were very moved. And I know they like really felt that like mm-hmm. in their hearts all throughout the uh, entire, entire auditorium. Yeah, it was, it was, it was I, so I, interesting. Cause I was so focused on what he was saying, but then and like I kind of lost myself in my own thoughts after he would make certain points, but I turned around and a couple of the people behind me were crying. But he managed to bring everyone back in because mm-hmm. then we all started to laugh again, and it was like a really good back and forth. But it wasn't back and forth in a negative way. It was back and forth where we all understood the severity of his situation yeah. and what he went through. But he still used, like Will said, he still used um, comedy to bring us back in and keep the situation sort of light. While educating us, I was sitting in the back, so I didn't realize that the emotion was that strong. And and I think we, as humans, we tend to cry when we are when we behold beauty and when we behold truth. And and I think that's what he was doing because I think we got a glimpse of who we are, and and we could be overwhelmed by that a little bit sometimes. And what a what a beautiful gift that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much. This is we, we never know what we're when we go into these things what we'll say, but I think when the conversation and that's a reminder we're in a school. So, but guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And God You're bless. So welcome. Thank you. For having thank you. Us. Take care. And we have another freshman with us now. We'll have a few more years. Skylar Sladke. So, welcome okay. and thanks for coming up today and volunteering. Um, I'm so glad to be here. Well, we were um talking a little bit um, earlier today with some other students about what, what they noticed yesterday during the, the pod, the, you know, this is the podcast during the presentation mm-hmm. um, with, uh, with Bobby Petroselli. So what, what's, what's kind of on your heart? Um, I noticed the repetition when he was like saying that we all matter. Mm-hmm. And instead of just being like, Oh, he's just repeating that. Like I took the words to heart and I was like, Oh, this means something. That was the the thought of of so many people that have been expressed uh, previously um, that we recorded today that he he didn't seem like he was going through the motions he didn't seem like he was disassociated from his thoughts that yeah. it was that it was real did he you was, sense that yeah and he was speaking about like such um what's the word like touchy subjects oh yeah difficult for sure yeah, yeah. and I don't know how he wasn't like crying and sobbing i would have been crying and sobbing absolutely and i and i think that's a it's a first of all it's a really hard thing to do Mm -hmm. but he took this incredibly personal story and somehow didn't make it about him Mm -hmm. you know he kind of made it about you guys and and really by extension all of us yeah was there anything that he said that really stuck out to you like you walked away saying i'm gonna really really try to remember that um i think i remember um, oh my god, what did he say? Um, he was talking about like some of the bad things that happened in our life. Like they're mm-hmm. not, they're not our fault. 
Mm-hmm. And he said exactly that. I yeah, I really took that took that to heart because like a lot of things have happened to me, and sometimes I think maybe this is because I'm too this or I'm too sure. That. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, I'm somehow inviting this onto myself. Yeah, and. I always blamed myself and I would get like so sad over it. And then I realized that the people who did hurt me, like they had issues of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you so much for, for coming up today and, and talking to us. It was very fun. I feel so professional. Like I came up here like power walking. I was like, yes, I'm <laughs> such an adult. Well, you're, you're on your way for sure. And we have you for another three years. So I'm pumped about that. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Skylar. One of the things, Father Dave and I talk a lot about in the podcast is baseball because we're both Met fans, and he's even like the Detroit Tiger fan. So we we know suffering. <laughs> we know suffering. Um, by the way, Uncle Rico loved old Tiger Stadium. He owned Tiger Stadium. That's he did. I, oh, he did. That's promise. So, Dave, you know about Rico? Uh, well, just from just from in 1973, uh, the, the first year I collected baseball cards, I kept getting Rico Petroselli. I kept getting like creepy. I did. And that, that's how I that's how I know Rico. Now, nationally didn't play the American League then. I don't, I don't know if I saw your uncle play. Well, but. he he was signed at a high school in '61, mm-hmm. um, and then a bunch of us went through. We graduated in the very late '60s into the '70s. Mm-hmm. Depends on who the cousin was. But he was the youngest brother. Okay, he was ten years behind my uncle Vinny. Mm-hmm. He was 15 years behind my Uncle Davey, 20 years behind my dad, 21 behind my Aunt Flo, 22 behind my Uncle Tony. Mm-hmm. We do have Tonys in Italian families, too. <laughs> you know what Tony stands for? What? To New York. All the Italians were coming to New York, <laughs> so you know. But anyway, um, the reality was, you know, I was a Red Sox fan growing up. Mm-hmm. But everybody, even in the neighborhood, they'd give us a hard time, but they respected him because he was from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Uncle Rico says, so you ready for some of the stuff we talked about already? He was a Yankee fan growing up. Uh-huh. Uncle Vinny would take him to Yankee Stadium. He'd sit in center field and he would watch Mickey Mantle. That was his hero. Sure. He said the greatest moment ever at Yankee Stadium was not even hitting home runs and doing that. He said, I got a, in the, in the early to mid sixties, I got my, I forget what year it was. I got my first hit at Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. He said, Mickey Mantle was on first base and he said, Mickey Mantle knew who I was. Oh my wow. God. He goes, hey, Rico, how you doing? You know me. My whole <laughs> That's life crazy. has been my hero and he knows me. My so, God. He That's loved cool. Mickey Mantle. That was his hero. And he was a Yankee fan as a kid growing up. But that was funny being a Yankee fan growing up. But it was in funny because during the 60s and 70s, there was this big controversy in a sense, big people in the area because Joe Pepitone mm-hmm. and Uncle Rico were both from Brooklyn. And you had Pepitone and Rico fans, even Yankee fans that loved Rico. Yeah. And then when the Red Sox and Yankees got in some big fights. And by the way, in 76, mm-hmm. one of Uncle Rico's last years, I was at the game when Lou Pinella slid at the home plate and all the Bruja oh, broke yeah. loose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I first moved to Tampa, Lou Pinello's the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. I said, hey, Lou, I'm Rico Petroselli's nephew. Why did you start that big fight? <laughs> I was a 14-year-old kid in high school. He started laughing. <laughs> he loved it. Lou loved it. But oh, I was man. at that game again. That's what, wow. Because when Uncle Rico came to town, you know, he would always try to get extra tickets because the whole family was there. Yeah. And, um we would always try to go to at least one of the games, mm-hmm. you know, if he could. If we couldn't, then we couldn't. But we would try to one of the Red Sox games. So, And then I've been to Fenway Park, I think it's like three or four times over the years when he was playing. Mm-hmm, so, yeah. But every time it's wild. Every time I went to Fenway Park to watch him, he hit a home run at Fenway Park. Really? Really? Yeah. Wow. 
That's awesome. It was. It was cool. So yeah, it was. And he lives in Sarah. He lives in New Hampshire, New Hampshire, but he lives in New Hampshire. <laughs> but he comes to Florida for the winter, and he always comes. I, I spent time with him in the winter, um, and he comes for a couple months, uh, yeah. two to three to four months, excuse me. And I hang out with Uncle Rico and get to spend some time with him and Aunt Elsie. And uh, he's seventy eight, going to be seventy nine in June. Nice. Wow! That's so awesome. and I'll see him in May because I'll be up in New Hampshire for a whole week speaking and doing stuff. Uh-huh. Actually, with a group called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Oh, sure. Yeah, they'll be part of me doing high school assemblies and some church meetings and yeah. some other stuff. Yeah. And I love doing stuff. And I'll share that's this. A gra- that's a great group. You know what's wild, though, for me? Overall, that's why I love when I come to faith-based schools, because mm-hmm. I can share faith. You speak the truth. But I got to tell you something. And I'm getting ready to speak at a, a, a church in Brooklyn. And I'm in the back before I go. And this is the honest truth how you feel impressions, how God could be speaking to you. Yeah. And I'm getting ready, and he says this first to me. This is why I know it was God, because I'm from Brooklyn. I can't come up with this word I'm about to use, I promise. I felt like the Lord say, Bobby, you keep on thinking the world is fragmented. Mm. I'm not smart enough to use that. <laughs> but my body is fragmented. Mm. And until my body understands who they are and can be made whole, I can't make the world whole. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then number two, tell me this did not take place the last couple of years, Father. I'm not joking. This is 10, 12 years ago. As clear as day, I feel the Lord say to me, I hear this voice, this impression, whatever you want to call it. You keep on thinking the problem with America is the condition of our country. The problem with America is the condition of my church. Mm-hmm. When my church realizes how they're loved and how precious they are and who they are, they can then bring that love yep. to the hurting and the Amen. broken of the world. So true. It, so it is. true. That's, I, I, that's, listen, I'm that's, not, that's I can't the, come up with that that's thought. That's why I know. Yeah. That's in the, the Luke reading you gave us today, we're called to magnify the Lord, to yes. magnify it, to make it bigger. Yes. You know, yeah. to and show it to others. be that light and be that witness. And the reality, and I could say this honestly, and I'm sharing this with two f- precious brothers who I love and adore. The reality is this. Most of my speaking for 30 years has been to non-Christian or faith-based venues. Yeah. There's been this increase over this last year, more than ever. I'm doing more and more faith-based schools Mm -hmm. and churches, all different churches for different things. They bring me in, whatever it is. Um, And that's what I'm feeling really strong about that, to say, as you just said, Father, that we are to be that light. We ought to be that example and that witness. And, And God uses us and speaks through us to show that love to others. None of us are perfect, but, you know— the greater work shall we do because I go to the Father. That's my prayer for myself. God, I want to do yeah. those greater works. Whatever they do, I sometimes say this, and I, I don't want it to sound crazy. Why was it okay, Father, for the disciples to walk past people and their shadow mm. brought a touch or healing to those people, but our shadow can't do the same thing? Because mm. it's not our shadow. It's the shadow of the Spirit of God. Do, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I want to walk in that greaterness. I want, just like those kids come up. I want to see a touch and a transformation in the heart. Like in a little bit, we're about to go in the cafeteria and hang out with the kids. Yeah. I want something I say or do to touch and impact their life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it already has by the reaction. I've gotten a few emails this morning as we've been sitting here about it. So well, that's going to be awesome. I think, you know, just to get this to, to just to harp on something you had just said, you know, you talk about like you're feeling really called to go to these faith based venues, you know, in schools. And there is such an attack. You know, 
on the culture because like I think sometimes the perception of people who are going to these Christian schools or or a Catholic school is like, oh, they must be different than the kids that are going to public school. It's like they live on the same block. They're coming from and the same broken. Yeah, everybody's broken and like and this attack, you know, f- to to package the message, you know, the reality is is that like we we tr- I was filled with with emotion at times in your talk and and with great gratitude to God because that auditorium you could hear a pin drop until you tell them to like speak up and repeat to you. Uh and it's the same message packaged differently. And like, you know, they're tired they're tired of my voice. I've been here for three years. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, it's Father Davey's doing his thing. Right? It's oh, it's Costa, he's doing his thing, you know. Uh but like when you come in, it's a breath of fresh air and it's like, bam, we're gonna hit you with the spirit right now. Um uh, and it's it, you we're working together to kind of really build the faith back up, even in the in the in the institution here. Which is beautiful, and and like I just I just want to thank you for that, like and, and you know and and to answer the Lord's call on that. Well, you know what I want to encourage both of you to remember this scripture that I'm going to share. If you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, mm-hmm. you can speak to that mountain and cast it into the sea. That's yeah. crazy. You can speak to that mountain, not me cast into the sea. You yeah. through the authority I give you. So here's the point I would say to every kid in this school that comes to you that seems downtrodden: look at them and say, you know what. The fact that you're even sitting in this school, no matter what you're going through, you know what it tells me about you and your family? You and your family have at least the faith as a grain of mustard seed. Mm-hmm. It's the smallest seed known to man, yet it brings one of the biggest plants you can yep. imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. Look at what you have the ability to do through God, just the fact of having that much. So anytime I'm in a church or a faith-based group or you know group where we're getting even more into that, I say that. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you can see people brighten up. I said, you wouldn't be here if you didn't at least have that much faith. Yeah. The fact that you're showing up for mass or a church service or a Christian venue, whatever it is, you have at least that or you wouldn't come. You, right. You exactly. wouldn't even be here. Exactly. You at least walked in. You may not have as much faith as this one or that one. doesn't matter. The good book says if you have at least that faith, yeah. you can speak to that mouth. I mean, that just speaks to me volumes. No. And, that's, and, and that's what I love about like, you know, having you here is is like – that you, you like the Holy Spirit through you is allowing that water to just like land on that seed of faith to start to grow and develop in some of the hearts and minds and souls of the people here. I have a just a just a few other questions I would love, love to have, just ask you. Um, like growing up in my house, like my big household, big sports house, I'm the oldest of eight uh, Italian families as well. So like we're from Long Island. So like we're not real Italian, Italian, you're Brooklyn Italian. It's different. It's different. Right. But like, but I like, actually grew up around the Gambino family. As a kid. I <laughs> yeah, okay. I did. I grew yeah. up around that. So, yeah. So uh, one of the things that like uh, being in a big religious home, um and, and like big sports oriented uh, families like we loved to hear if if there were like athletes who would like you know when they would uh you know like when they would give a press conference or something like that if it, like if they had uh if there was any faith or like there was going to sure. be at least I'm not talking about the guy everybody who's like just yelling out like praise be Jesus Christ but it's like I like to like I I listen to certain you know I like to listen to certain people because I love the message that they're that they're given. Absolutely. Um, 
Have you come across? Uh, I mean, we were talking about like David Carr and, and, and you know, and, and, a, and a couple of other guys. Like anybody, you you said you go around to all these different, uh, even uh, you know, uh, all fellowship of Christian athletes. You know, more uh, uh, all the well, NBA well, stuff. what do you call it? Um, Major League Dabo Sweeney. You know, Dabble. being with Dabo at Clemson, you could see his faith. And there's been teams and schools and stuff that I've worked with. I mean. Teams that sometimes the people who are instrumental in bringing me in is the chaplain of the team. Mm. So therefore, there's some teams that everybody has to go to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it all depends on like I've done such a variety where I've spoken to the entire team that has nothing to do with the chaplain. I've spoken to the entire team where the chaplain brought me in, and then I spoke to part of the team that they're part of a Bible study or a mass That's great. or a service where they asked me to share some and do that type of stuff. So it's neat to see that they're reaching out. And once again, they have at least a faith as a grain of mustard. Yeah. So it's neat to see people like that, Butch Davis and my friend who ended up passing away a few years ago, um, John Blake. Mm. John Blake was with the Dallas Cowboys for three years as their D-line coach and became the first black head coach at OU. He became my friend over the years because at the time he was um, with Butch Davis at North Carolina. He's the one who ended up recruiting my son Alec to go play in North Carolina. Oh, wow. Well, he ended up passing away a few years ago from some heart issues. But watching his impact on the kids and many guys in the NFL and others even today because faith was so important to him. That's he had such So it's neat when you see that because I think everybody's looking for that greater faith to know that, okay, in the middle of my struggles, yeah. my adversity and my problems, God gives me the faith and the strength to get through it one moment at a time. Yeah. You know? One moment. And that's it. One yeah. moment, one prayer, one confession, one word, yeah. one name of Jesus, whatever, yeah. one at a time. Yeah. You know? And that's what's important. Yeah, no, thank you. It, it, because, um, you know, I, it, you know, you hear the controversy back and forth sometimes where, you know, people will, uh, like, people on that big stage will denounce the fact that they are, they, they have an impact on people's lives. And then there's the other side where, like, you know, the culture raises these people up and puts them on platforms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of lose the, the whole aspect of reality that they are regular people still Absolutely. going through. A lot of things, you know, and so you know, it's just beautiful to, to, to hear somebody who's around uh, people like on the highest level uh, of, uh, of like physical excellence to be able to share that faith with them and pray with them and, and, and be able to be an inspiration with them and for them. And to see that, and you know, really, when we realize this, and I share this for all three of us, even you in the amazing position you're in, yeah, you in the position you're in, we have two goals. Sowing seed and watering seed. The That's Lord it. is the one who brings the increase. Bang. So the, the the point is that I share with people is what God gets us all in trouble is we're trying to get somebody changed. Bear with me. And I always say this. Are you ready? If I talk you into something, Father, he'll talk you out of it. Mm-hmm. If the Holy Spirit does the work, nobody's talking nobody's about talk- it. Yeah, exactly. That's nice distinction. Key. I like that. The yeah. more I could put people in the presence of God, the more I could sow those seed. I may, you know, maybe today— and this is an encouragement to both of you. Maybe today, seeds that you two have sown, maybe I watered those seeds mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. you know, and the Lord's going to bring the increase. Maybe between all of us, seeds have been sown and watered and the Lord's about to bring, you know, once yeah. again, I can't change myself. And the night that Ava was killed, I prayed this prayer. I says, Father, I can't imagine what I'm about to go through. I know your word tells me that I have to walk in forgiveness. 
apart from your Holy Spirit, there ain't no way I could forgive this man. I want to lay hands on him, and prayer has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know how we used to, you know, in the Catholic Church and outside the Catholic Church with family and friends growing up in Brooklyn, do you know how we used to tell people about Jesus and wanting them to be open and accept Jesus? We would tell them about Jesus and share Jesus with them, and then we would say, listen, we're going to give you a choice right now. Either you accept Jesus well, we're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> and it probably ultimately was not that effective. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, really on that, I, I, one of the things that uh, from here and I, and, and I might not have caught it, and I, I would just love if we could talk about it. Um, you talked about how like the prayer instantly, uh, you know, after your wife had died, uh, uh, after two years of marriage, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, you talked. You you prayed out loud. What a what a real raw prayer. That outside of your spirit, I can't forgive this man. Can you can you talk about that journey, and and uh, and and how long it 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 it, it had taken for the forgiveness a- to really absolutely. take root? I will honestly say this. It definitely opened the door and I stepped in the room of forgiveness. Didn't mean it was completed, but it was really that simple that I began that process knowing ahead of time, unforgiveness will destroy me. Mm -hmm. I knew enough what I had learned. And once again, the word of God says, apart from me, you can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what? Knowing that, okay, everything... We teach, and here's the, the coolest thing, everything, even today being in mass with you this morning, everything you shared, imagine this, it's like, let me use another analogy that I pray you're going to like. Okay, Father Dave, I need you to go buy that building over there. And you're like, man, where am I going to come up with the money? Here's the money to go buy it. I'm already giving you the money to go buy that building. And, and the point I'm getting at is everything that God asks us to do, he's already empowered us to do it through the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. It's learning how to access that. Mm-hmm. That's why I say you don't go to the gym to find a muscle. You go to the gym to develop the muscle you already got. Mm-hmm. We already have that. So to me, I tell people this all the time. When Jesus hung on the cross, and it's happened over the years, and God works in spite of it, but... He didn't work to set up all these different denominations and versions of Christianity. Just bear with me. Yet each one could have its place. To me, I tell people this because of my walk with God. Whether I go to Mass, okay, or whether I go to a a Christian non-Catholic church, I get ministered to when I start focusing on the things of God and the Spirit Mm, of God. I mean, listening to you this morning, I'm electrified. I'm empowered being part of the mass. Just the way you were even sharing some Old Testament stories and other stuff you were sharing. It's like, to me, I don't never judge anybody else, but I want to go up to people like what you were sharing to this morning was powerful. I want to go up to them and say, man, we got this mm-hmm. so much. It's yeah. unbelievable what Father is saying. We want to walk in the fullness of this. And I'm saying this for myself, never in judgment to nobody, knowing that I get ministered to because here's the point. So what's your favorite team? You're going to love this, what I'm about to say. The, uh, ba- baseball is the, t- the Detroit Tigers. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We've never been able to this figure it out. Detroit Tigers. My first baseball cards were Cecil Fielder and Mickey Tunnelton. Okay, oh, so I wish you at home could see the so look wait, Bobby wait, just wait, gave me when you said that. I got to say this. So um, what's his name? The pitcher back in our day um, for the Tigers. Mickey Lolich? Not the McLean? other one. McLean? 
not Mickey Lonitz. Um, McLean? McLean. McLean. Yeah. Denny McLean yeah. is in Tropicana Field doing an autograph. Dave McCarthy is good friends with my Uncle Rico. Dave McCarthy's from New England. He was Ted Williams' bodyguard before Ted Williams died. Anyway, he opened up the Ted Williams Hitters Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Okay, Uncle Rico was in there. Other stuff has been donated. He has signings all the time at Tropicana Field. Denny McLean is doing a signing. I walk up to Denny McLean <laughs> and I say to him, you know, Denny, my Uncle Rico owned you. <laughs> this is what I'm telling Denny. This is the McLean. guy that got 30 wait, wins one season. Wait a minute. Wait. So me, Dave, and Denny McLean are taking a picture together. As we're taking the picture, Denny McLean is next to me shooting the bird at me. <laughs> taking the He's like, I'll fix you, Bobby, for busting my chops that way. Because I said that to him. But Uncle Rico really did own him in Tiger Stadium. But watch this. Everybody on the Detroit Tigers play the same position? Nope. Are they the same height and weight? Nope. Same skin color? Nope. Have the same parents? Nope. Married to the same woman? We hope not. <laughs> no. Have the same children? Nope. No. But they're all on the same team, right? Yeah. They're all on the same team. The word of God says you're either for the kingdom or against it. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be in full agreement over everything, but we're on the same team uh, trying to bring the light and the love of Jesus Christ to the hurting, the broken, the desperate, the desolate yeah. of this world. That's, that's a beautiful point. We got to remember that. Yeah. We're on the same team. I'm not against you. Right. Okay. I'm not against you. We're on the same team. We can disagree on certain faith. Uh, who cares? The number one faith we have is Jesus came. He died. He rose again. He's coming again. And you know what? He loves and adores us. He treasures us. We matter to him. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah. That's be- that's beautiful, dude. After I ask the question, I'm going to step out for a second because I think I got somebody in my office. Okay. You do it. Don't, no okay. problem, Dave. Yeah. yeah. I'll and I'll come back. Four, three. Two. All right, so Bobby, I got I got one more question um, because uh, this has been something that uh, that I've been asked many times as a priest. It's been it's been a thing that um, it's been a topic of of many people's uh, concern as they go through it, uh, and I I try to guide them in the right way. Uh, I have not had a loss as close to to yours. Uh, but I, I, I saw a very dear friend of mine, uh, you know, lose her father probably about 10, 12 years ago, uh, to cancer. And, uh, and, and through that, you know, there were, there were times throughout her journey of healing, uh, of, you know, dealing with that loss and, and the, the, the journey of grief, uh, that it, it took, it took her five to seven years to kind of come out of that. Um, and, and so she's, she's always been very big, uh, and, and I've always listened to her with this, but saying like, there is no timetable for grief, uh, and everybody's timetable is different. And so like, it's just wondering, um, you know, after losing your wife after two and a half years of marriage to, to that horrific, you know, accident, you know, how, how long did it take, uh, for you to, Get to to this place where uh, where you know that that stage that like where you went through the five stages of grief and 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 were kind of able to kind of journey on. Not that that's not to say that you you could put your wife in the back in the rear no of the mirror, but like to to say that where you know that you could move forward again. Well, here's the reality. I always tell people you need at least a minimum of a year to go through every birthday, anniversary, holiday, special occasion. 
without that person. And the reality comes down that in that, um, everybody grieves differently. Mm-hmm. But the reality comes down that in grieving differently, we have to make sure we understand that, as I always say, don't let the pain of the past or the fear of the future to stop you from being present in the present. Mm-hmm. It depends on is it grief or is it fear or panic or, you know, we have to remember, you know, what is really controlling the situation. And that's why it never hurts to get counsel, mm-hmm. to talk to people, right. to share your heart, as I even shared in the assembly. Not to walk it alone. That's right. Yeah. If fear is present, then I don't have a sound mind, mm-hmm. you know, and we all have. And we've even seen during the pandemic, you know, people operating in fear. OK, there's a difference between fear and wisdom, counsel and common sense, Mm -hmm. you know, and experience. The reality is I'm not being rude, but when you see people in their car by themselves wearing a mask, Mm -hmm. nobody else is in the car. Mm -hmm. What's the driving force? Let me share something with both of you, which really spoke to me. When Florida was one of the first states to open back to pretty close to normal. And when it first was closed, um, things were shut down. But anyway, I go to the beach and I see a man walking on the beach wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. Nobody near him. I'm the closest person near him. I'm 200 feet from him. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, as clear as day, I felt the Spirit of God say to me, you see that man? That is a true, in his situation right here, right now, that is a true manifestation of fear dominating his life because sea air is the best air to breathe in. There's nobody near him. There's, I'm the only person near him. The next nearest person is a half a mile. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. there's nobody near him. And then the spirit quickens me and says, Father, which blew me away, says, so Bobby, how many areas of fear are dominating your life that you don't even mm-hmm. realize is controlling you to that degree because it's not manifesting as extreme? Wow. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I saw another man like a month later. He's taking pictures of eagles in a nest. I have to be 50, 60, 70 feet from him, not six feet. And, I, and he's wearing a mask, nobody near him by the water. And I said, Sir, are you okay? I'm not trying to be rude. Why are you wearing a mask outside and nobody near you? This is the best air to breathe in. I'm being honest. I wasn't being condemning or judgmental. And he pulls his mask down. He says, I am scared to death. Mm-hmm. Those are his exact words. So he was showing with fear. I, and I wasn't saying even with the mask thing, yeah, when you're in a crowd of people, mm-hmm. sure. and you're in certain settings, we get it. If you feel more comfortable, I still have the mindset, this is me. Mm-hmm. And people, you don't have to agree with me, okay? If the mask is supposed to, let's say the three of us, okay? If the mask is supposed to protect you, it's supposed to protect you. That's what it's supposed to do. And I'm not wearing a mask because I don't want to wear a mask. Why would you be concerned that I'm not wearing a mask if the mask is supposed Mm -hmm. to do the work that you're believing it's supposed to do? Is it not doing the work it's supposed – I'm just saying. But the point I'm getting at is you would see during this, yes, you need wisdom, common sense, and experience during this time totally. We're not saying this in any judgmental sense. But I've seen so many people operate in wisdom, common sense, and experience and do the right thing and be careful – and then I've seen others get so driven by panic and chaos mm-hmm. and fear, and, and, and it's coming out that way. There's one guy that they're outside. A neighbor is so far away from him, nobody near him. There's nobody else around him. He went to jail mm-hmm. because he started beating up on that neighbor for not wearing a mask and stabbed him. <laughs> I promise. Nobody really? near Father, yeah. I'm telling you honestly, there's nobody near And the neighbor was 40, 50 feet from him. Wow. 
outside. But that's what he did. He freaked out. And the point I'm getting at is is wisdom, common sense, and experience. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not questioning somebody. I just want to help people to understand in my own life, Bobby's in trouble and not doing the best when I let fear dominate. And to me, I'll say this one last thing on this. The greatest song that Michael Jackson ever sang, you know what it is? No. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm. Before I look at you, Father, and look at yep. you, Richard, I got to look at myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So if people come to me and complain about somebody they're in a relationship with, I'll go, I validate everything you're saying. But tell me what you do wrong. What could you do different? Where have you dropped the ball? Where have you messed up? Because there's two people in every relationship, whatever that relationship is. Yeah. Let's not put everything on one person. How could you have done something different or seen yourself different or thought differently? And that's why... I got to add this because it came to me. Watch this. And I'm taking this out of the good book. I'm never going to go up to Richard and say, Richard, I just want you to be happy. You know why? Because the good book says I've learned to become content Mm -hmm. in every situation. You know what happens with the word happy? And I'm not saying, of course, I want you to be happy, but bear with me. We base happiness on conditions. Mm -hmm. If your condition changed, then you'll be happy. Wait a minute. Suppose that condition doesn't change. I'm going to be miserable. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. That's why I said I want you to be content Mm -hmm. in all situations because you're going to have ups and downs, good and bad, um, right and wrong come your way. How could you be contented? It doesn't always mean it's easy, but how can you be contented? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we do that and think about the, 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 the ultimate joy that can come when we are in, in, in God's life. So you watch know? this that you just said, Joe, I meant to say this before. Remember I was talking about the presence of God? Yeah. The word says, in his presence is the fullness of what? Joy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Then my favorite comes in another scripture. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah. So here's what I've learned. The more I can interact, be in his presence, read his word, hear a mass, hear a yeah. Bible study, hear preaching, but speak to him, talk to him, pray, be in his presence, the more I'm going to experience joy. Therefore, that joy is going to give me the strength to deal with the battles and the tribulations and the trials and the yeah. shortcomings mm-hmm. in life. And I can honestly say, one second when I went through the tragedy, I'm picking up a bat and I'm beating my bed. Mm-hmm. The next second, I'm watching the three stooges falling off the bed laughing hysterical because the word also says a merry heart does good as a right. medicine. Mm-hmm. And I learn, man, the more I can laugh in the middle of stuff, mm-hmm. the better I feel and the more I feel that joy mm-hmm. to overcome yeah. it. It doesn't happen all the time. And, but but I've learned more than ever in my own life the way I just reacted. Why did I react that way? I'm feeling fear or rejection mm-hmm. or anxiety or worry or or feeling unloved. That's why I vomited out my pain at that moment. That's why my flesh got the best of me. And think about this, Father. If you really break down everything that you're even going to preach or share, bear with me, everything else that any other pastor, preacher, priest, uh, sister, mother, whatever shares, it's one of two things. And here's what we complicate even when we read Scripture. Everything we think, we do, we say, we act, we react, is one of two things. And we talked about it before. It's either of the flesh or yeah. it's of the spirit. The more I'm in the spirit, the better I'm going to do. The less I'm in the mm-hmm. spirit, the worse I'm going to yeah. do. That's why when people say to me, 
Could you believe Richard did that? Yeah, I could believe it. Richard's not perfect. He gave into the flesh for that moment. He still loves God. It doesn't change what God has in him. The spirit's still alive in him. And for that moment, he yielded to his flesh. Peter was the greatest example. One second, he's saying, thou art Christ, the son of the most high God. The next second, Jesus is talking about going to the cross. He goes, you know, Peter's talking about defending him. And Jesus goes, get thee behind me, Satan. What? From second to second. From moment to moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Th- thank you so much for you know coming here, telling us that, telling your story, and then sharing the gift of how you can articulate. It. No, like one the, thing I, got, I got shocked it. up with like the you know the jumper cables, spiritual jumper cables yeah. right now, baby. Amen. Amen to that. Um, so uh, if you know if you're interested in learning more, uh, Bobby told you look him up on social media, Bobby Petroselli, and uh, there's there's tons of information out there. I'd like to go back though to. Um, a question we started with, which to me is most important. You're, you're heading back to Florida tonight, you said? No, no, I'm going actually to Oklahoma. You're going to Oklahoma. And then I go to Texas, and I'll be in Santa Fe area. They went through a school shooting three and a half years ago. Gotcha. And I've been going back, spending time with the community, nice, working nice, them nice. through that. Yeah. So you'll be um, – I'll be on fi- the road for literally the next two weeks. Okay. Um, any restaurants you're hitting tonight? Uh, I'm not sure because I really- – You're not going to do fast food, though, are you? No, Jesus doesn't want fast food. No, he doesn't. That's in a good book, too. I eat for Jesus. Listen to me, please. Jesus never had a slice of pizza when he was on the earth. I eat pizza for Jesus. I eat pizza for the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Mother Mary. So listen to me carefully. They never ate pizza. They never ate cornbread. They never ate barbecue brisket. They never ate lasagna. They never ate pad thai. We eat it for Jesus. You are doing the work of God. Amen. Thank you. All right, well, blessings and to you. Can we, uh, can we end in a, in a prayer here? Yeah, Absolutely. go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's just uh, come thank together you, here. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that uh, in the promise that our son, your son has made, that we're two or three are gathered in your name, yes. that you are present. And so we are so grateful for your presence here, which was so palpable. And we just ask that uh, with the spirit of, of your love, with the fire of your love, with the joy of uh, of your presence that we may just not only reflect that great truth in our own lives and feel the resurrection and experience the resurrection, but come to share that with all the people that we're called to. As we pray, Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless everybody. Thanks, Bob. Good luck. Thanks, Father.